welcome to another episode of Serena Loves TV on Focus TV Network. I'm your host, Serena Poon, and as you know, I'm incredibly passionate about helping others live their best life through methods I call culinary alchemy, which is the magic of combining education, integrative and functional nutrition with healing intuitive energy. So today, I'm incredibly honored to introduce a very special person who truly resonates and embodies this philosophy. He is a highly acclaimed, award-winning chef and restaurateur of 32 plant-based restaurants all across the globe. Uh, He is the author of 12 cookbooks. He's a speaker. He's an entrepreneur. He's an educator. And most accurately, he is a true visionary in the mission to create beautiful, sustainable, nutritious, and globally accessible plant-based cuisine. I'm so grateful to call him a friend, and I'm so grateful for his tireless effort in making this world a better, healthier place with his vision of crafting the future of food. Please welcome Matthew Kenney. Thank you so much for coming today. It's good to be here with you. Thank you for making the time. I mean, I appreciate it, but my audience really appreciate it. And you're so busy that this is amazing that you're here to share your story. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much. So we both share such a love and passion for all the same things when it comes to achieving optimal health through food, you know, as a powerful healing and preventative tool for medicine, right? but we both pivoted from, from law to do in, to go into a career of culinary arts. And mine was because of my parents, that they were my inspiration. What was yours? You know, how did you decide to go from law into the culinary arts and get you started that way? It was really the excitement of, of the food scene in New York and just mm-hmm. doing something where I would connect with people on a more daily basis. I'm a little reserved, not maybe even a little bit shy. But I got to New York and I found that the, the restaurant scene was really the social scene. That was mm-hmm. the sort of fabric of the city for me. And I would walk around the city looking in windows of restaurants. And it wasn't really about the food because I was always into health and wellness and exercise, mm-hmm. but just the environment of preparing something fresh and the smells and the aromas and all the sensory experiences and people coming together for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just really attracted to that and you know, kind of got into the food business because of that passion for what was taking place there. Mm -hmm. Just how it brings everyone together and that kind of excitement with it. It was that, but it was also the idea that someone operating a restaurant is kind of curating the whole experience, whether it's music or the cuisine or the uniforms people are wearing or the lighting. I just really liked that ability to, you know, kind of curate an environment and, um, and express which I didn't think that I was going to get in a more corporate world. Right. <laughs> That's true. So you so you started off classically trained. You went to the best schools and you started off with restaurants that weren't actually plant-based, right? Correct. I had been really into health and wellness. Like even in high school, I would get up at five in the morning, go to the gym or go wow. running. Mm-hmm. Um, and all through college, I kind of cooked my own meals because I was very much into healthier food. But in those days, plant-based wasn't seen as a healthier choice. Right. There wasn't really a lot of information about being sustainable as an athlete or, you know, or attaining longevity due to a plant-based diet. Right. People and thought you were lacking if you did that, right? Exactly. So I did what I thought was healthy mm-hmm. and I did my best to apply that to the cuisine. I was French trained and that mm-hmm. means a lot of butter, a lot of salt, yes, me a lot too. of cream. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you know, I used the tools and techniques in that French cuisine to apply to a more hybrid, a very creative take on Mediterranean cuisine that I was inspired by when traveling. Mm-hmm. So, so what made you kind of decide to dive into plant-based and this this vision that you have? Because that's what I would love for you to really talk about this 
crafting the future of food and everything that you're doing with your company. It was a it was a 15 year journey of preparing food that I felt was healthy, but at the same time, as I got more into yoga and more into meditation and more connected, I guess, to the the planet and the alignment that mm-hmm. is achievable if we make the right food choices, I. It happened slowly and then all at once. I was really ready for it, eating more and more plants in my own life, but still operating non-plant-based restaurants. Mm-hmm. And then one day somebody took me to a vegan, a raw vegan restaurant in New mm-hmm. York, and it just changed everything. I saw the people there and how passionate they were about what they were doing and the sort of glow on their skin and their eyes mm-hmm. and started li- really listening deeply and also to my own, my own sort of inner drive. Yeah. And I was just thinking... At the end of that meal, I walked around Manhattan and I started to think if somebody can take this food and elevate it and do it in a comparable setting to the other type of restaurants that everybody loves, it could really be the next great thing with food. Wow. So you had this one experience. And so you were actually already plant-based while you're still running non-plant-based restaurants? Uh, no, not completely. I stopped eating meat. Right. Um, I was I was eating very little dairy. Mm-hmm. I didn't consider myself vegan i grew up you know in maine where i'd never heard the word vegan probably until i moved to new york and even then it was you know this was i moved there in the late 80s and the early 90s it wasn't a big thing there was no such thing as an upscale vegan restaurant so i wasn't vegan but i i guess you know i was ready for it and i was practicing yoga every day at a studio that really practiced um alignment and plant-based way of life yeah so when you talk about alignment i love that because that's so it's sort of very, that's what brings it all together, right? That's what brings in what we put in our bodies and what we, I, that's the mindfulness, all of it. So what is it, what does that mean to you when you say alignment? Well, it means that the choices we're making when consuming food or preparing food mm-hmm. or buying it mm-hmm. are aligned with what's best for the planet. That doesn't just mean the environment. It means animals. It means our health. It means yeah. other people's health that you're cooking for. Yeah. And, you know, never felt completely right serving, you know, really rich ha- heavier foods, yeah. knowing somebody's going to go home and, and be uncomfortable or full and wake up the next day and not feel their best. Yeah. So a lot of it has to do with adjusting the palate, which I was able to do slowly on mm-hmm. my own to the point where I could really enjoy food that was, to me, gourmet and delicious, mm-hmm. um, but still really doing what's best for for the world. Mm-hmm. It does. It takes a little time because I myself started off classically trained like you. And so same thing with all the butters and the salts and the fats. And it does take a little bit of adjustment. And then you just realize that just what we have just with the plants and herbs are so powerful in flavor. You know, you don't really need any of that to cover it up. Um, but this message that you're spreading, you know, let's, I, I mean, there's so much that I would love for you to share about what you're doing with your business. I mean, you're in, it's, you're not just in products and restaurants. I mean, you're teaching people. You've opened up schools. Um, I would love to talk about that a little bit, this messaging. Well, I, I realized early on, and this was one of the things that got me very, very excited about going plant-based. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it was 10 years before the market was ready. But I really envisioned a, a lifestyle brand that could yeah. you know, not only serve people a different way, a different style of food, but also show them how to prepare it through mm-hmm. books or classes, um, make products available. It's really like a whole ecosystem of of a new way of eating. And I felt like the the world really needed, um, you know, a lot of different options and, di- and touch different touch points. Yeah. Um, so I envisioned a very bold, broad, kind of global company from the very onset um, because I felt like just doing one restaurant 
it's limited because people would come in and they'd like it, right. but they might live 3,000 miles away and, and right. also don't know how to prepare it. Mm -hmm. And even the, the people we were hiring in the kitchen didn't understand this type of cuisine. We could train them, mm -hmm. but I realized that chefs are taught to do the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking by my former culinary school one day just after I had gone plant-based mm -hmm. and the students, so the current students, this was years after I graduated, they were out in the back of the school smoking right. and drinking Cokes. Yes. And, oh, you know, it just really like hit me. That one image really hit me that, um, you know, chefs have a responsibility mm -hmm. to, to do more. Absolutely. Uh, not just make food taste good. Right. That's important too. It has to mm -hmm. taste good or we won't eat it. But it was kind of a lot of messages like that that really inspired me to, to try to do it more and on a larger scale. Yeah. Because it's more, you had mentioned in one of your, I think, TED Talks about how we have a responsibility as chefs where you can, you can actually be serving up disease, right? Um, if you're not serving the right combination of foods or the right foods. And is that part of what you teach? Yeah, I, t I tone it down. You know, it was a TED Talk, so it was a little bit sensationalist. I think I compared chefs to drug dealers, which in a way we are have, serving, <laughs> you know, we're taught yeah. to serve foods that are addictive. They are, we are. I mean, you know, you know I, I like salt mm -hmm. and I used a generous amount when I was in culinary school, but the master chefs would come around and, and you know, say they taste it, mm. more salt, more salt, more, salt, yeah. more butter. And, and then that. the more you do that, the more you need and, mm -hmm. and it covers up the true flavors of the cuisine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's just one minor example. Yeah. But yes, I believe foods can be highly addictive or yeah. at least if not addictive can change our our palates yep. to the point where we don't actually realize what is best for us. I'm right. not a doctor or a nutritionist. I'm really just going on intuition. Right. And so my, my goal was to really scale that back and right. try to do foods in their most natural way um, with methods that would still be appealing to people. Because ultimately, right. everybody's a pleasure seeker. Right. Well, I mean, as a nutritionist, and I've had your food in so many of your restaurants already, I think that your your intuition serves you so well. It's spot on because it tastes amazing. And I feel that there, anytime I want someone to sample vegan or someone who's remotely considering or would never consider vegan, I take them to your places. I take them to your restaurants because I feel that your style of cuisine and your flavor profiles really kind of give insight to someone who thinks that, you know, being vegan means you're eating a lot of carrots and celery sticks. So, I mean, I guess, could you, in a lot of it's proprietary, but give us a little bit of a hint, a secret of how you do that. You know, you have all these incredible techniques that aren't available in a lot of other restaurants or they haven't adopted them yet. Well, it's really three components to our, to our food. I mean, we spend mm -hmm. the most time when, whenever we go to a new market or even here, sourcing the best ingredients we can. Mm -hmm. So we shop a lot at the markets. We really work as seasonally as we can. We grow things when we can. We yes. work with a lot of specialty providers to make sure we're getting the best almonds or the best oils. Mm -hmm. So that that's really the first part of it, which a lot of chefs do. And, you know, thankfully more and more are paying attention to where the food comes from and organic when possible and so forth. Mm -hmm. But then the second part of it comes in, which are techniques and yes. tools. So we've started to, many years ago, we started to use a lot of the same tools that at the time when molecular cuisine was popular, mm -hmm. um, we started to use a lot of tools that were used in that kind of cuisine or contemporary cuisine, but just not with chemicals. So right. thermal immersion or sous vide, um, a lot of dehydration and smoking. We have some machine called an ultrasonic homogenizer, which emul emulsifies without heat or mm -hmm. any type of um, 
sort of um, blending mechanism. It's just ultrasound. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, I've never used one of those before. I want to we stop use, in. <laughs> we use Paco Jets not only just for making ice cream, but to mm -hmm. do some other really cool things. So a lot of it, the tools and then the techniques associated with that. But we've also developed, and this comes from just trying so many things and failing at certain things right. and experimenting. And now we have a, a test kitchen, which is constantly trying to innovate and come right. up with new ideas. We come up with methods all the time that half the time it's a mistake. I mean, the first right. time we made the wrapper for our kimchi dumpling, that started as me trying to dehydrate a young coconut mm -hmm. um, blend of young coconut flesh to make it crispy. And I realized it's not getting crispy. Right. Um, so I took it out, set it aside and realized that the texture was almost like a wonton, mm -hmm. but it was made out of coconut. Mm -hmm. And then we decided we could add beet juice to that or, or celery juice or, um, in the case of the, the kimchi dumplings, cilantro juice. Mm -hmm. And it would be bright green and it would be pliable like a, like a wrapper and you could wrap it around like kimchi in this case. Yeah. And it had a lot more flavor than just flour and water. Yeah. So that's, you know, one of like 300 examples of things that we've been able to develop over time. And it just... It just comes from trying and trying and trying and, and then also doing new concepts instead of just repeating them and scaling them, which we do right. that as well. But every time we develop a new concept or write a new book, it leads us into all these new ideas that we can actually then use certain components of those ideas to create others. So it just kind of extrapolates. Yeah. Well, so much mad genius too. You know, that's also part of it. I love that, that you there's, you know, trying different methods, but there's also this, you have like a vision to what you want and that's amazing. So you've, um, you, you have all these restaurants. It's just crazy how much it's blown up just in the last few years. Can you talk about some of these projects that you have? And I you know you had mentioned, you know, now you have at Four Seasons in Beverly Hills and you have that and you have products. Can you talk about a few of these projects with us? Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it felt like same way as my entry into plant-based cuisine. It felt like it was slow at first and then all at once because in the early days it was really hard. The market wasn't ready for an upscale plant-based restaurant. We had a couple that didn't work and, you know, managed to keep it going just through just persistence and hard work. Mm -hmm. But a couple years ago, the market started to open up. And when we launched Plant Food and Wine on Abbott Kinney in California, that was a, a main stage. It was the first time that we'd actually done something on one of the best streets in a major city. Mm -hmm. So it opened us up to a new audience. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we expanded and we have you know, a plant-based pizza concept, Double Zero, and a Mexican okay, right. concept, Bar Verde, mm -hmm. um, a couple of plant food and wines. Um, we have concepts that are either operating, I guess a little under 20 operating. We have probably 15 in development, which mm -hmm. could double by next yeah. year because we're doing a lot of international projects with big hotel groups and other developers that, you know, want to take some of our concepts for multiple locations at the same time. So it, that's why we're growing faster now because yeah. we have a lot of help with our international partners. They're, you know, building and, and doing that. It would take me forever to figure out how to construct a restaurant in Japan, for example. But right. when we have partners there who know how to do it and do it all the time, right. it's a lot easier for us to grow quickly. So, that's, so we've got, you know, we've got people in the community that are all over the country and all over the world. So let us know some of the places that we can find uh, your amazing cuisine. We have a lot in New York. Mm -hmm. um, we have uh, five places in New York and another seven coming in the next year. Mm -hmm. um, wow. A lot downtown. We're doing something in Flatiron, which I hope to announce next week, which is part of a um, an apparel wear company that you know we've been working with for a while. Oh wow! We're opening a big new concept in Brooklyn called Hungry Angelina, which will be like a 200 seat 
all-day restaurant. Um, wow. Really beautiful design mm -hmm. with an architect from Spain. We're expanding Double Zero into Brooklyn and Boston and, um, and Santa Monica, Venice. Everywhere. Um, yeah. Philadelphia, I believe. Mm -hmm. And a couple of really exciting projects. We are partners in a new concept called Humble, without okay. the E, H-U-M-B-L, and it's uh -huh. going to be a very fast, casual concept, really beautiful branding, fun menu. Um, the first two locations will be in the Orlando area. Oh, okay. And that's a, you know, five, 10 minute experience, but yeah. it's, it's really nice. I feel good about it. We're not using processed ingredients and very, very clean, but it's mm -hmm. meant for people on the go and a younger crowd um, or any age crowd, but you know, it's a lot of students and so forth. Yeah. And that's on the sort of more casual end of the spectrum, mm -hmm. but on the highest end of the spectrum, we're doing Sentio, which is a it means to experience or to feel. Sencio is a tasting menu only restaurant mm. we're doing in New York that will only seat 24 people at a time. Oh, wow. It's pretty big, but it's yeah. very, it's a highly curated experience that yeah. will change with the seasons. And that will be like a 12 or 15 course experience. And there are other Maybe. few other elements to it as well that yeah. are exciting. But we're in Canada, in Edmonton. We're uh, opening more in Canada. We're in, uh, in South America. We're in Buenos Aires with Sacro. Mm -hmm. um, we're in Bogota with Makeout. We're opening uh, Plant Made in Sao Paulo next month. Oh, wow. And um, we're doing another location of Makeout in Costa Rica. Oh, okay. Um, we're also right. doing a hotel in Costa Rica that won't so open for a couple years. Yeah, that's so um, exciting. And the whole hotel will be plant-based? and This entire hotel will be, it's going to be an upscale, um, really beautiful, like 20 room, 20 villa hotel, wow. wellness facility and restaurant. Amazing. And we're in a few other countries. We're in the Middle East and Australia, Sydney. Mm -hmm. um, and the list just kind of goes on. We have, yeah. we have more projects. I have to write it down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's a part, probably hard for you to even keep track. Um, and then you have you have tangible products that people can order, right? Order online and purchase. That's upcoming. Yes, we have five different products in development. One is being launched at Expo West. It's the biggest one. And we'll oh. announce it in a week or two. I'm going to be there. Um, mm -hmm. It will be uh, over... 30, I think it's about 30 different products in that line. Mm -hmm. And we're excited to launch it there on March 7th. Okay. Um, we have Antidote, which is our bar. It's a partnership with a really um, wonderful doctor, partner, and friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And that's coming out in a couple of weeks. We keep tweaking it. Um, Until it's perfect. Right? And Siva, which is a pumpkin seed-based beverage, is another mm -hmm. brand. And then later in the year, we're doing our pizza, Double Zero Pizza Frozen, which oh, will be nationwide. <laughs> Uh -huh. And um, and a cheese concept as well, like a something really I think very innovative. Um, yeah. And we have a lot of other things in media. We we do services. We have we have a lot of different agreements. We're starting to work with hospitals, and eventually we'll do work with schools and yeah. you know other areas of education. So it's 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 yeah, all tied together amazing. to the product we do. We just mm -hmm. deliver that that product or that idea um, through different channels. Mm -hmm. So couple things, you know, before we wrap up, I, there's, there's so many people in, uh, well, not just my audience and community, but just everywhere who are, they have visions, you know, and, and they're not sure how to start. And they have, they're maybe in careers and they just sort of want to pivot to putting effort and energy into their passion. Do you have any sort of like maybe one or two pieces of advice from your experience that you can give to someone who's sort of looking to make that change? I mean, I think it's really important to I, I always try to think about where I want to go with it. Like what we're doing with our company now, it's very hard. And at the same time, I'm not, I'm grateful, but I'm not surprised because my, my large scale vision, and I didn't know if it would take five years or 20 years. It wasn't a five-year plan or a three-year mm -hmm. plan. Didn't have a specific number of restaurants, but in terms of the brand and the scale, 
I knew exactly what I wanted, even when we had one restaurant that was barely surviving. Wow. I still knew where it could potentially go. Right. And the most important thing at that moment was doing the best I could with what I was working on. The other right. things can wait. We'll get to them. But really sticking to an idea, I find that if you just, you know, and it may not work. I mean, try yeah. try again. Yeah. But persistence, obviously, it sounds like cliche, but it's so important to keep it's going. True. And not every day is easy. There are so many days that are really challenging. And those days are just as important as the ones yeah. where everything's going great. Yeah. Um, and I think developing a personal style is really important, especially yeah. in this plant-based market, because so many people are coming into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having a personal style and an ethos that, that you can change over time, but at least try to stay with it yeah. and, you know, have your own voice. I think that's really important too. That's great advice. It really is just sort of like dream big, put it out there, but stay focused and just take one step at a time. And there's really no, there's no failure because every, every time that there's a little setback, it's a lesson. I read this book, Built to Last. It's a business book that a lot of people were reading in the 80s. Um, and they studied companies that had stood the test of time and, mm-hmm. one, and grown a lot. And one thing they had in common was they called it like, I don't know even how you pronounce it, bags or something, B-H-A-G-S, okay. big, hairy, audacious goals. Uh-huh doesn't mean that they're pie in the sky or, or completely insane, but goals that are realistic, but very, very bold. Yeah. And, and that has to be communicated to everybody that you're working with, even if yeah. you're a, a team of one. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love that. And, you know, we have to wrap up, but at least tell us where we can find, you have so many different social handles, I think, for all your different products and restaurants, but let us know where we can find you at least um, and your website. Well, we, uh, Matthew Kenny, www.matthewkennycuisine.com is our website and Mm -hmm. all our, every business we have lives on one platform. Okay. It's a couple hundred pages of info on there, but Mm -hmm. everything is there. Um, and I, I am not on social as much as I would love to be because it's addictive, but, um, (laughs) I do have an Instagram account, Matthew Kenny Cuisine, and it flows through to a a business Facebook account and a Twitter, but I post now and then when when I can. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming. It was oh, I really appreciate everything pleasure. you're doing. Thank oh, you. no, it's been so great. And thank you so much for joining us at Serena Loves TV. This is Matthew Kinnick, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.